Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Bolin Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets, and there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year, and you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to BolinBranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L and Branch.com today. See site for details. Hey, everybody, Gamefly. It is the best way to buy and rent for all of your favorite games. Gamefly puts video games where they belong in the hands of the gamers who love them. Listen to this. One monthly fee, unlimited video game rentals to all the popular titles from Madden, Call of Duty. It's as little as 54 cents a day. There's always free shipping. You cancel anytime. Over 9,000 titles to choose from. You can find your favorite. You keep the games as long as you want. There's no late fees, due dates, nothing. They have movie rentals. There's so much to do. You go to Gamefly.com slash Collider. Do that again. Gamefly.com slash Collider and start your free premium 30-day trial today. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you, or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Hello, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's, that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Today we are talking hydro or just hype? Do we get a glimpse of a Spider-Man Far From Home villain? Is Tom Cruise our Hal Jordan? And what was Marky Mark doing in the DCEU maybe? <laughs> Today on Collider Heroes. Collider Heroes. Welcome to Collider <laughs> Heroes episode 267 with Batman. Is that was my Batman apparently. voice. Yeah. Like, I'm the vengeance. I'm the knight. This is Collider Heroes. I kind of love it. I'm Amy Dallin. This is Corey And we're joined this week by my boy, a very, very sweaty comic actor and comic reader, Trevor Steins. I'm not quite sweaty yet, but I plan on being so by the end it's of this. It's only just begun. Excellent. Yes. I'm so excited by what's going on this week. Uh, looking at the news, we were just saying that it was like a light news week, but everything, now that it's like out, I'm really hyped to just talk about. There's so much like potential and building and just these things yeah. existing is so exciting. So I need to know immediately. Yes. Do you think that this Instagram set video that Tom Holland has put out uh, of watching a, a very funny video about how he definitely 100% does his own stunts, where you get to see one of his wonderful stunt people get knocked off screen by a blast of water. Hydro Man? So, Hydro Man, I think, and we were talking right before the show, would be a great shocker slash rhino and amazing Spider-Man 2 kind of villain where it's, yeah, totally. you don't need a backstory, it's it's a one note, like, this is a bad guy he's fighting, show how much he's evolved his power set, look at it, it's Hydro Man, and cinematically, that's a beautiful villain for that, but is a shot in a charity Instagram video really a tell? Yeah. 
Maybe not. Maybe you shouldn't compare him to Rhino in Amazing Spider-Man. I mean, that's that's <laughs> fair. Touch that. yeah. <laughs> Paul Giamatti's Oscar-winning performance as right, Rhino? Exactly. What are you talking about? Well, he could have been great. Uh, <laughs> so what's interesting is, of course, this video hit the net, and then everybody immediately was like, is that... Is, is that what we're seeing? Because we, we don't actually know. Now, granted, as a way to tease or reveal a minor villain, this wouldn't really be out of character. Like, it's cute and it's cheeky, and Tom Holland has a reputation for spoiling Which things Which I love now. that leaning into. Uh, yeah. But it also, it's really just a spout of water. I saw an alternate theory that, like, maybe Namor's in this. Who oh knows? <laughs> Someone is like, water equals Namor hype. Like, that's right, such yeah. a... That's but weird, like, water right. equals Hydro Man, definitely. I mean, he it's is... It's the same level of, like... Do you, yeah. Who wants to explain Maury Bench? Yeah, uh, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Morris Bench is one of those guys that has a very, like, well, he was involved in a radioactive adjacent experiment yeah. where he was in water, and then now he controls water. He's like Sandman without the depth of him having a daughter, uh, so, which is what I think could be the strength of this character, is Sandman in the comics has this amazing backstory, you care about him, you're empathetic, and he's got this henchman thing where he's just trying to feed his kid. If you did that with Hydra-Man, because we just had Sandman in Spider-Man 3, having Hydra-Man in the Sinister Six would have that world built without having to sacrifice us having just had the character plus cinematically like water looks so good that we just had sandman like 15 was, years ago yeah. okay <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just we just, yesterday, we just had him a decade and a half ago that yeah. was very recent in the scope of time what is time really <laughs> but like i think cinematically water looks really interesting and i think that yeah, it'd be yeah. really cool and morris bench is not a very like we don't need to have an hour of backstory oh, which is yeah. good in these big world building movies yeah and i liked i mean i liked hydra man in the 90s animated series spider-man where he was like Mary Jane's stalker ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. right? That they was did the Eddie Brock thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, we were talking, like you said before the show, that I, I think... I was Hydra admitting Man, that I don't have strong feelings about Hydra Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just don't. Like, I definitely read stories guys. he's been that, in, but I'm like, cool, yeah, you're definitely a guy. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes to Koi's point. Like, he's not the villain that we need to have, like, a super strong, like, empathic mm-hmm. connection to in the movie. Um and I think he. I think if he's in the film, he'll probably play a role like the Shocker in the first one. And that's a great way to build a Sinister Six if that's what they're choosing to do. Batman and Robin had the problem of being too many villains that had backstories. If you introduce a villain that doesn't have a backstory and one that does have a backstory, you've already got two villains. We've already gotten Scorpion that way. We've already gotten Vulture that way. Because Vulture, we had a long time to live with. Scorpion, had a few minutes. So I really like the idea of, of world building with the dichotomy of major villain, minor villain. Because then you can really play with their entire wheelhouse. Yeah. And Sony's really trying to play with that entire wheelhouse. So if... If this one spout of water in this one Instagram video does happen to turn out to be Hydro Man, I'll be very happy as a Spidey fan. But so it is interesting because we were talking last week. We did a general roundup of sort of state of the Sony-verse. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we didn't really talk about was the sort of shelved plans for a Sinister Six movie. Mm-hmm. If Hydro Man's here, is he off the table for Sony's use? Or can he cross over between both movies? Well, in Silver and Black, I know that certain characters from the MCU that have already been introduced the in, in Spider-Man Homecoming were in the Black script, in the Silver and Black script. Mm-hmm. So I don't think once they touch Marvel, they're taken out of Sony. I think that Sony and Marvel just share certain people like Iron Man in their movies that are MCU characters. But from what I've read of that script that I can't comment on, uh, there are characters that are in the Spider-Man Homecoming verse that are in the Sony world exclusive. The Spider-Man script for Sinister Six was back in the day with Drew Pierce, and it was a very different thing. So I really hope they can use it because I really love the idea of having Spider-Man as an almost antagonist, and you're really rooting for these six guys that are just down on their luck. And I think they could. And who would your Sinister Six be? We, we started that. Yeah, I, you know, my ideal Sinister Six, I don't know, like... I like, I really like Doc Ock as a, like, a de facto leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I always want to throw Norman, like Norman Osborn in there, but I always feel like he... He might be too, he punched, it's punching outside his, whatever. He's, we were talking sports yeah. earlier and I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a main punching guy and the others are a team. He's Side hitting outside his uh, wheel uh-huh. basket house. That one. He's yeah. the Conor McGregor, whereas these guys are Tom Brady's. You got to have I'm like a team player or a single player. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. Like he's always he's kind of his own, doing his own thing. Um, but I always like Doc Ock as a de facto leader. Mysterio, I love. Um, I don't know. Shocker. I think Shocker is an electro. 
are two that I, I just love seeing more of all the time. I think we've built the universe with Shocker, Scorpion, and Vulture already. Yeah. And I think having villains that are already established is a great way to have a Sinister Six. Imagine if we had those three plus these two saying Hydra-Man's in it. So that's five already. And then you introduce yeah. the sixth villain in the film, make that Doc Ock, make him your leader. So yeah. you open the Sinister Six film with Doc Ock. You open with a guy that is jealous of the scientific outreach the community's having. You keep those Sony-verse grounded in science. One thing they're doing great is science and intelligence is important to Spider-Man in that verse, and the movies are doing that. You have Doc Ock be a scientist that is feeling betrayed. You open with him, and then you have him gather these villains he's all seen in the news. Then you have him after Spider-Man because of a technical advance, and then you've got all the backstory you need with Doc Ock. You make him the Thanos, and then all these other characters we already feel for, and all of them already have their time to shine, so that way when the six comes together, we're, we're invested, and then Spider-Man's the thing in their way. Yeah. So you don't need more backstory than that. That can be a two-hour movie without it feeling like a movie that's too convoluted. Yeah. That's, right. what I, that's what I'd do. You're kind of selling me on it. I, I, I think it. it'd be a great movie. I don't know that I need a Sinister Six-focused movie, especially since I do, we don't know exactly how much Tom Highland Spidey we get. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does make sense. The thing that I always get worried, my, my immediate worry when it was like, is Hydro Man in the new movie? Is that I have sort of reflexive, don't put too many villains in it syndrome. Right. Yeah. But as they just proved with Homecoming, they can use small glimpses of people if they keep their focus on their main story. Yeah. So I guess there's no reason to assume they're going to lose it. Right. I was going to say, like, I've heard other people kind of echo those concerns about there being too many villains, even though so far we only know about Mysterio and possibly Hydra Man. Um, I want Prowler. Yeah, because we've gotten cool. Donald Glover and talking about climbers, we've gotten yeah. that. Like, I've, oh, I yeah, like yeah. that tease. I mean, I'd he's like because like, he's in the first movie, and it can it just it can be done, you know. Like Homecoming, like you said, had the Tinkerer, Shocker, mm-hmm. Vulture, and a little cameo from Scorpion. Like you right. can, as long as like you said, you make it work within like the framework of the story. It can be done really well. People just have you know bad memories of like you said Batman and Robin or Amazing Spider Man Two or. Spider-Man 3, which... We don't talk yeah. about. Yeah. It just maybe, happened, though. It just happened not, 10 years yeah, ago. It just right. happened. This was the yes, thing that just happened. We don't talk about it except for just now when we, we talked about it. As if it had just <laughs> happened. You're just living in that moment. Spider-Man 3 has good parts. Sandman is fantastic <laughs> in Spider-Man Sandman is 3. great. He is good in that movie. But yep. we just listed four villains in Spider-Man, right? Yeah. So if they can do four in a movie that's about the origin of our Spider-Man. It's not an origin story, but it's our first Spider-Man story. Yeah, if they can do solo. four in that movie, they can do six in a Sinister Six movie, I believe, and I maintain, and I want Prowler. So I think he'd be part of my Sinister Six. I like the yeah. idea of, like, Hobie being involved. And then if we get to Miles, we want to know his uncle. We want to know yeah. Aaron Davis. Yeah, we yeah. want to know... and. Donald Glover being cast as that is not both meta and perfect. So I really want that character to get some time. Yeah, it definitely it makes me wonder how much um, input or, or what Marvel Studios has to say about Sony's Spider-Man villain verse. Right. Yeah. What are they calling it? The the world of Spider-Man um, villains. World Sony. Of Marvel. Sony's characters. universe of Marvel, Marvel characters? characters. Yeah. yeah. Something uh, nice and quippy. You right, know, real exactly. short to the point. Rolls off the tongue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it just makes me wonder, like how much interplay there is between those two studios when it comes to Sony developing their movies. I can't imagine there's a ton, but there can't be none. You they know. have to. I think they have to agree what characters they're allowed to use. They have to agree if characters can die. They have to, yeah. as the character evolves, they have to. There's probably some crossing T's and dotting yeah. I's, but I can't imagine either has that much say in like, no, you can't. Right. Except for you know, Venom not getting a spider on them. Like certain things like that, we will start to see this divide yeah. in these two studios, which is interesting. It might be just a moot conversation. Depending on how Venom does. True. May I, as we are, have arrived at this moment, I can't resist the temptation to be like, certain people have worked on projects that take place in comic book universes <laughs> where characters might or might not be shared with other. We talked, we talked about the glimpses of <laughs> Sabrina last week on the right. show because we're yeah. all very excited. Mm-hmm. Do you know how they decide who ends up where? And do you get to ask people those questions? Um, it's a little above my pay grade, <laughs> uh, but I do know that. Um, Right now, specifically with, like, Sabrina and, and Riverdale, uh, it is written by Roberto, like, the same, our, our lead guy on Riverdale, um, headed by him. It's a, it's a project he's really passionate about. He wrote the Sabrina comic as well, I believe, mm-hmm. along with uh, Afterlife with Archie. But I, I believe he did come out and say somewhat recently that, uh, so far, they're not they don't have any um, crossover plans, at least for the first season, because they really want to establish... Sabrina's identity apart from Riverdale. Um, but, you know, you never know. What might and I'm not trying to trap you. I just got yeah. really excited. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> and I, it's a totally good question, you know, especially because we're kind of on that topic. And I don't know how, um, especially because, you know, 
Sabrina went to the C, or sorry, Sabrina went to Netflix and Riverdale's on the CW. I'm not exactly sure how the the crossplay between like IP. It is very Sony Marvel, where it's, yeah. it's these are things that exist separately, but in the comics we know they're together. Yeah, so we, it's in that our exact. Heads, we know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and considering it's it's all run by the same like production company, mm-hmm. you know, like Greg Berlanti is doing both, and and so there that might make things easier, you know, because like they still have the odd shared IP between two studios with Marvel and, and right. Sony. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that with, with Riverdale and Sabrina. So we'll, you know, we'll now see that, Now that's a shared universe I love uh, that I'm discovering is Blantiverse because I just started watching Flash from the beginning and I'd only Are seen pieces so of Flash. Are you so excited for your journey oh, yeah. with Flash? Flash is like, I right. didn't realize that show's tone is the most me tone of a show. Like, I enjoyed the dark and gritty of Cloak and Dagger. I enjoy the young adult of Runaways. I didn't realize that Flash was about it's, optimism and, like, finding out the betterness of, like, oneself and, like, that's my brand. Great. It's straight like, up great. I yeah. love it so much. Yeah. And when it when like Oliver popped up in the first episode, I was like, oh, all oh, right, this is the thing they can do. Yeah. And so I'm experiencing that for the first time five years late. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. There's no wrong time. It's I'm, I'm really excited. Like watching through that first season, I'll be interested to see because you know it has that influence has seeped into other stuff. But watching that first season, it was sort of like you can do this. It's a comic you show. Say yeah. that it's over so and comic over. book, dude. It's and, so comic. And for you, uh, while we're on the subject, Riverdale. Yeah felt like a comic that wasn't the comic that was based on. Like, it felt like a comic book show, but not the comic that you'd go, like, that's the thing. When you, as a comic fan, first got those sides, were you like, oh, well, this is great, also not Archie? Yeah, (laughs) totally. Like, when I I remember reading the pilot and the first draft of the pilot, this happens sometimes with, um, with early drafts that come in for projects. You know, they'll have, like, stuff in there that, is just there to set tone and, and is eventually taken out. So, like, in the first draft of the Riverdale script that I got, like, there were F-bombs in there. <laughs> like, thing, and, like, you know, Archie's sleeping with his teacher. And it's just like, wow, I don't remember that from the cartoon. <laughs> CW's going a direction. Yeah. Um, but I actually, that's something that I really appreciate about about the show is that, you know, because, like, after I got cast, I started reading Mark Wade's recent run mm. on... on um, Archie and it's great like and Mark Wade's just a great writer in my opinion and he does a really good job on that book uh and I just like that Riverdale is allowed to be because I think you don't get this with a lot of comic book properties but Riverdale is allowed to be something that has lasted so long Mm -hmm. um or like the Archie IP has lasted so long and Riverdale is allowed to be something new and different yeah and I think that's because that's kind of what they do in the comics. You know, they have Afterlife with Archie where it's a zombie apocalypse. They have, you know, Betty and Veronica vampire hunters. <laughs> you know, they have yeah. Read Vampironica, by the yeah. way. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that too. And they the have Punisher like, crossover was the moment exactly. I was, I was like, gonna they say, can go anywhere. They have, like, Archie meets the Predator. Yeah. Like, they just kind of... That universe is so malleable that you can do so many different things with it and... Uh, and Everything will find an audience. You know? mm-hmm. And I don't know if you get you can get away with that so much with different comic book properties. You know, I know like with Batman versus Superman, I think something that a lot of people had a problem with is that like this is the only version of these characters we're going to get on the big screen, and if they're not true to like what we know, it's kind of. And that's something we, we want to talk about later in another one of our questions is is what things don't translate for whatever reason and, like, what right. things don't necessarily work because that is important. There is a tone that certain characters are married to, and there's also characters you can take in different directions. And, and Riverdale's really interesting that it's a direction I wouldn't have anticipated, yeah, but yeah, it works definitely. really well and people really love it. And it is clearly done by people who love and know the material very, very well. Very passionate about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very um, much so. And, and s- like, the, the, to, to your point about BBS, obviously, like, we will see versions of those characters again, but I, I shared some of the feelings you described in terms of in terms of like oh they're meeting for we'll only get one shot at the first time this happens exactly and that's yeah. part of what makes but like yeah that's it's it's interesting to contrast times where i've been uncomfortable with taking things away from source uh tones and times where i've been like i was watching the pilot of riverdale being like what is going on but also <laughs> that's dilton doily and my brain is just lighting up with like happy chemicals you know yeah. like, look he's real yeah like, i love it and it, i mean you know, I've heard, I remember some of the comments that I saw, the most, like, vitriolic ones were all about, like, Miss Grundy. 
They're like, she's supposed to be older. We gotta have, like, can we have a Riverdale, Riverdale special? Let's at some absolutely point? have a Riverdale special. Because I'm trying to assemble like my Sinister Six of, of crossover actor comic swings. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I love the fact that Let's so many actors it. are invested in the properties they're involved with. And the fact, like, you and I have had so many conversations about Ben Riley because there are more of us that love Ben Riley. So I think it's really important to find those people. Are you all literally are... clones of the same person who loves Ben Riley? Yes. I can neither confirm nor deny. I'm the Ben Riley to Coy's Peter Pan. <laughs> and we have those conversations of like hype, 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 hype. Yeah. So I really love that people that are getting these comic shows love the comics. And that way they're invested in so many different levels. And it's not just paychecks. It's not just being an actor. You're actually involved. And there's nothing wrong with being new to the material. No, but I will confess yeah. to a special joy when like you know Mark Wade's name. A lot of people don't. <laughs> like, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer started reading comics with Ant-Man, which means she didn't read them with Catwoman. Oh, that, to me, is like, yeah. wow. So, like, I really like finding out both sides, and there's nothing wrong with either side. It's just really cool to know that you go to the comic store. Yeah, I'm, I'm super lucky to have been obsessed with comic books since I was, like, you know, nine or ten years old, uh, and then to have worked on, like, a comic book adaptation. Yeah. Was, it was just a dream come true. Like, honestly, when... When the audition came in and when I got booked for it, it was just, I, I fell to the floor. And like, I got my, the email on my phone and I like held my phone to the sky, <laughs> like Mjolnir. I was like, yes, I have the power. I'm worthy of wielding <laughs> yeah, exactly. this role. Dude, yeah, so that, that's awesome. And, and speaking of characters whose tones are very important, and if you change them too much, they don't necessarily work. Are we getting Tom Cruise's Hal Jordan? Um, Tom Cruise's Hal Jordan is something I personally really like. Uh, I was referring to the other Green Lantern film where the tone may have not been exactly the Hal Jordan we were looking at, and I'm not the first to say it won't be the last. In fact, Hal Jordan has said it in another film where he's perfectly cast as Deadpool. Wait, so, yeah, I was going to say, wait, didn't you see Deadpool 2? That Deadpool 2, that movie never happened. That's true, it never happened. What, what am I even referring to? <laughs> Retroactively. But if you look at, for me personally, if you look at Tom Cruise as Hal Jordan, that makes Top Gun a prequel. And to me, <laughs> that is very important that a hotshot maverick pilot becoming Hal Jordan is about as as it gets for Tom Cruise. He's good at doing his own stunts. He's good at being an action star. He is a movie star. He is someone people look up to. If you want to have a Hal Jordan that's already got his built-in backstory so he's not the lead so we can have Jon Stewart, I think personally casting someone that America has 40 years of experience with allows you to go, hey, Hal Jordan is this, here's 10 minutes, and now we get Jon Stewart, and that is a brilliant way to get that movie, and then you can jump into Cosmic. You can skip a lot of Ferris stuff. So, that's my look. So you've started with the argument, but let's explain why we're talking about Tom Cruise. <laughs> Um, horse? What do you mean? No, it's all good. Uh, because you've probably, most of you have already heard by now that a few different Green Lantern-related rumors have been flying around. Um, one is uh, that uh, Heroic Hollywood, I think, was talking about the, the I, we don't know the source for this, we don't know if it's real, and, and talks like this come up every time Tom Cruise does something. <laughs> he's because on Tom, Top Gun, because he's so, a successful action star, because there's so many reasons that kind of make him seem like he would slot into this role, uh, that could be the reason that this is happening, or maybe it's a completely real rumor that says he's close to playing Hal Jordan, but he doesn't want potential fake spoilers alert. He doesn't want Hal to die in the movie, is what this report says. Interesting. Uh, is that the, the, the new newest version of Green Lantern Corps, which is supposed to be Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart, which is being worked on by Jeff Johns' production company right now, of course, with DC. Uh, this this r- specific rumor says that he was he's close to playing Hal, but he doesn't want Hal to die in the movie. Uh, is that the case? Will that end up happening? I have no idea. What do you think? I think do a buddy cut film in space where he doesn't die in the first film. The beginning of the second act, we lose Hal Jordan because we have a movie and a half invested in him. Parallax is the third act villain. Jon Stewart becomes the the full Green Lantern he is in the comics and the, and the animated series that's so incredible. And then we can have the third movie with Jon Stewart, build out the core. But have two, one, one and a half movies as a buddy cut movie. We, we don't have that in the genre. There's a lot of different films in the comic pantheon. I've not seen a full buddy cop. We've gotten close with Hulk and Thor. We've gotten close with like duos, but full buddy cop travel cosmic comedy that's a new genre and Green Lantern has a lot of ground to retread they have a lot to make up for so if you have someone that can open a film like Tom Cruise introduce a great Jon Stewart Idris Elba or uh, Sterling K. Brown then you uh, Sterling K. Brown's my he goes to my gym does he? Yeah. I love that, man. <laughs> John Stewart, like that, he's perfect for me. He's got the comedy, he's got the I depth, he's like, got yeah. the emotion. Um, so that's that's how I do it. And then he doesn't die in the first film because I get that that's a concern for him. I do it in the second. So that's, that's what I do. Yeah, I think I think casting a Hal Jordan just to kill him off would be a bad idea. <laughs> for I mean, every comic fan. Yeah, because like he's, 
like he's my like Hal Jordan's my Green Lantern, right? Like I love John Stewart, I love Kyle Rayner, I love Guy, but um, but Hal Jordan is is you know the guy for me. Right. Yeah, thank you, John. And um, honestly, like what, Tom Cruise. I just is... no love for Jessica Cruz in this room. Oh, yeah. I know she's new, but it's been hey, years. Yeah, Jessica and Simon. I like them both. <laughs> they they would make a great buddy cop. That would be Simon incredible. And, oh. I would see Jessica. that in a second. Like they did that in the comics where they were kind of like like helping each other out. Yeah. You know, as two kind of new Green Lanterns. Um, Earth has way too many Green Lanterns. <laughs> anyway, statistically, uh, that's improbable. I know the I know, problem. <laughs> too many two lanterns. Two to a sector. Two to two to a space We're just sector. Six. But we've got six. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Earth needs a lot of help. Uh, <laughs> fair. That's fair. And so Tom Cruise is like fifty-six, right? And I don't know. I feel like with I th- I honestly feel like that was one of the problems that they that Warner Brothers had in casting Ben Affleck as Batman because mm-hmm. they started off, started us off with the older, grizzled Dark Knight Returns mm. Batman, which I, I mean, I liked his performance well enough, um, but I, I just think it was a bit of a mistake. I feel like they sh- should do what Marvel has been doing with their newer castings of, like, Tom Holland, somebody that they that can be Spider-Man for mm-hmm. a long time, mm. right? And I think if they're going to go older... Then I think it's a mistake not to get Nathan Fillion. Oh. I mean, Nathan Fillion is like the idyllic Green Lantern for me, and he's played Hal Jordan. He's done voiceover work for Hal Jordan in right. like various DC films or animated films. Um, I just think he's perfect for it. If they're gonna go older, I'd prefer Nathan Fillion, even though I love Tom Cruise. I do. <laughs> okay, Mission Impossible was great. Dude. Um, but I don't know. That's just my take on it. Like, I would prefer them casting younger and just having a Hal Jordan that we can grow attached to um, over the course of a couple films and then you bring in Jon Stewart bring in the rest of the core introduce the cosmic stuff uh, mm-hmm. I would and we were talking before the show like I would love to see a parallax Hal Jordan like actually done it's one of my it's one of my favorite co- costumes in all of comic books mm. is his look as parallax yeah. I don't know why I just love it so much with like the shoulder pads and everything he looks amazing this will come up later because one of the things about comic book parallax is that the, the distortion in the face and all of that is something comic books are drawn art they're not photorealistic so we've, yeah. we live in a Thanos world now where sometimes we yeah. can bring those Post larger Thanos than life world. concepts into reality but <laughs> it'd be very interesting because you could easily see that going wrong when you start getting into parallax face and I, we I, should address the other part of this week's uh, the Marky Green Mark Lantern. in the room. Yeah, the Marky Mark in the room. Because <laughs> uh, the other thing we got this week was this, an update to a a like a new spin on a rumor that went around a while ago when someone sometime back uh, spotted on Mark Wahlberg's Instagram uh, it, during some sort of sports related <laughs> excitement that Coy explained to me before the show. I swear, I'm, I prop, many women know about sports. I'm just not one of them. Uh, the the so this Instagram post, he was doing a victory pose, and all these uh, DC Cinematic Universe headshots were on the wall behind him. And it, we were all like, what is that about? <laughs> and this week, a new uh, rumor broke. Again, we don't know whether this source is real, but the rumor says that one of the producers who has since stepped back from direct involvement with the DCU, Charles Roven, mm-hmm. uh, had been pushing for Mark Wahlberg to play Hal Jordan. So that might explain, especially if that was an older photograph, uh, why that that all happened. But uh, what do you think? I love Mark Wahlberg. I, I am one of. I'm from Boston. He's like our mayor. Like it's it, like it's a, it's a very biased love. But I love Marky Mark. Uh, even the Funky Bunch. But for me, I think that. Tom Cruise as an archetype is more the archetype than Mark Wahlberg. They're very different actors. They're very different personas, very different types. When I think of Hal Jordan, I think of, like, this ultimate all that is right in the world. That's why when he becomes Parallax, it makes sense that it's so jarring. He's just, like, the thing. Like, Scientology aside, his personal life, Tom Cruise in his roles is always that larger-than-life hero. And Mark Wahlberg, I like when he plays the underdog. I like when Mark Wahlberg plays the guy that's, like, against the odds. He's against his luck. He's... Boston's about being the underdog. It's about fighting, like, the good fight. That's kind of our thing. When this came up... (laughs) (laughs) Except with sports, where we're... (laughs) (laughs) When this came up uh, before on the show, I ended up sort of accidentally soft-pitching Mark Wahlberg for Guy Gardner. Oh, yes! That's oh, totally God, more... Yeah. Like, you could have the humor... Like, The Departed. open a bar. It would make sense. The Departed's Marky Mark as Guy Gardner would be would amazing. Be yeah. I'm the guy that does his job. You must be the other guy. Like, <laughs> I will take that Guy Gardner in a second. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. But, like, what do you think about either Mark Wahlberg in the DCU? Where would you put him? Oh, my gosh. I Honestly, I think 
in the Green Lantern universe, just looking at him right now, uh, <laughs> I think he'd make for a good Green Lantern. I think either Hal Jordan or, or uh, Guy would be a great choice. Otherwise, I don't know. Uh, I, I could see him as... Honestly, like I could see him as Blue Beetle. Oh, that's Ted funny. Mm. I could see like, him as... An, I don't know why. Like That just kind of stands out like, to me. Oh, what if he was Booster? Though? I was going to say, as an old, yeah, he's like Booster not gold. blonde, but... If yeah. he was a, like a little, like either younger Mark Warburg, or if the joke was that he was past that point, Booster Gold would be amazing. Like reality TV star Marky Mark coming back and like filming everything he does. Yeah, and, and Booster Gold is Green Lantern, so that's, you know... It totally plays. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it tracks, but... Honestly, I, I mean, I would definitely, like, if either of the castings came out tomorrow that, like, Tom Cruise or Mark Wahlberg is playing Hal Jordan in the upcoming Green Lantern... Green Lantern film. I'd be happy with it, you know? I'm I not just... sure why I resist Tom Cruise as Hal, because it does make sense on a lot of levels. Yeah. Uh, like, I... There... Honestly, I feel like we saw his Hal Jordan character in The Mummy, which is not necessarily the best comparison to make. I mm. like that movie well enough. That was fine. Um, but, you know, I think he was very Hal Jordan in that film. I don't know if either of you saw it. I didn't. Um, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. He's just like, he kind of has that swagger he's about funny, him. He's funny. He's yeah. self-aware. I, yeah. I liked it enough. I liked his performance enough. He, in that, yeah, he has moments in that film where he has the kind of hubris that Hal Jordan has, mm-hmm. but then also, like, can be very serious and focused. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy with either performance. I just, personally, I would like to see, um, like, a younger Hal Jordan, just a younger DC cast in general. Not that, like, Gail Godot or uh, Henry Cavill are, like, too old or anything. I think they're perfect castings. Um, but, yeah, that was, like I said, it was one of my trepidations with Ben Affleck is that, like, I would rather see a Batman in his prime than, like, mm-hmm. you know, old well, and, and it is interesting that it, the world. it changes the story in some ways where, like, you know, Tony Stark works as an older character because his whole story is about a second act, about someone who's yeah. lived an entire life before this stuff happens. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Hal Jordan has a life, but he's sort of... If his main thing is kind of being the the hotshot pilot, the man without fear, who yeah. then gets this wider scope on the world, you can tell an interesting version of that story, both with a young Hal Jordan and with a mature Hal Jordan. But they're going to be different because Absolutely. the mature yeah. Hal Jordan is, is is now like entering on a second act if he's got an entire life behind him, as opposed to someone sort of starting out and making their mark and getting the biggest playground in the world to do it on. Because yeah, wasn't the story before when, like, the last time these rumors came about was that it was the movie was going to be an older Hal Jordan mentoring Jon Stewart? That was the rumor. As a Green, yeah, as a it's, Green this Lantern. has been bounced around for five or six years. Yeah. There's been several versions of the script now, yeah, so yeah. we don't know exactly what they're I'm focusing on. I'm not sure on. how I feel about that. I, per, like, for me, so I wouldn't mind not having two origin stories. I wouldn't mind Hal Jordan already being established as Green Lantern just because that would be a good way to retroactively fix a lot of problems. And then having Jon Stewart our main guy. I wouldn't mind yeah. a Jon Stewart-centric Green Lantern no, with a side either. of, and that'd be the buddy cop thing. Mm. I don't mind if Tom Cruise is too old for this beep. Like, that's cool with me. Uh, and I think that if we do that, then either of these guys would work. I just lean yeah, more sure. Tom Cruise because literally that's Maverick. That totally, I can see it. I already have the movie playing in my head. Whereas Mark Wahlberg, as much as I love him, I I can't. Yeah, I think I, I would, picture that. If I had to pick between either of these two, I'd probably lean towards Tom Cruise. But well. now that we've said Booster Gold, I can't unsee it. Yeah, <laughs> Marky Mark is Booster Gold is some good. Yeah, I feel that. But speaking of roles that didn't happen, we were very close, yeah. and you found this. I love this story. Well, this I, you may have all seen uh, over the last few uh, last week or so. Uh, a concept artist, Alexander Lozano, who worked on the initial Tim Miller version of Deadpool 2, uh, gave us some very interesting sneak peeks at what could have been. He started with uh, some alternate designs for Domino and Cable and the Juggernaut and a different villain whose name I'm forgetting right now, uh, and then went on to drop his final, like, oh, and by the way, here are the <laughs> oh, concept designs for the entire Fantastic Four. Oh, it's so cool. Fox's most recent, Michael B. Jordan-centered, uh, I mean, well, they're all starting in it. It's the four of them. But yeah. uh, that version <laughs> of the Fantastic Four in Deadpool 2? That would have been so funny. Yeah. That would have been amazing. That definitely would have changed the movie a lot. It would have been such a different scope. It would have been so much. And it would have but it would have kept Fantastic Four in the minds of people at Fox. It would have kept that universe alive, which I think is what they probably cut it out for. Yeah. Because now that the Marvel deal is farther along, they were like, don't remind people that just happened. I, but can you imagine the Fantastic Four popped up when he was fighting, like, with the cable fight or through time travel or fighting yeah. the juggernaut? That would have been so cool. Yeah. Oh, it would have been amazing. It, it kind of it makes me think that one of two things happened. 
either somebody higher up on the food chain was like, hey, so we kind of want to try integrating our Fantastic Four plans into the Deadpool plans to like so they can you know mm-hmm. lift each other up, right? Um, and so they the early concept art was done for that. Yeah. Um, or they had an idea um, in an earlier draft of the script to have a Fantastic Four appearance somewhat akin to the um, X-Men appearance that was in yeah. Deadpool mm. 2, like, just like as a joke, kind of seeing them off to the side. Right. Um, probably probably would have been like a meta joke about um, Fox's handling of the Fantastic Four IP or the Fantastic Four property. Uh, that, that's my assumption. It's, I'd say it's either one of those two. And those two. Obviously, it didn't end up happening. But Those two things make sense. Um, do we think that the, like, because those plans could have been cut before or after, but we, all, we know that in addition to that not happening, the whole Tim Miller version of the movie didn't happen. Right, yeah. Uh, so we also know that Tim Miller is a huge comic book fan, and I could easily understand him wanting yeah. to play with all the toys that were available. Because mm-hmm. these, these concept arts were done while he was still attached mm-hmm. to the project. Yeah, that's my understanding from, from, from the Instagram of Alexander Lozano. Thank you for sharing those. <laughs> um, I, so we know that this was part of that vision. I, it does seem like most likely would have been a comedy cameo with the, the Fantastic Four, but it does speak to the fact that they were excited to play with all of those toys. I've also heard rumors that Chris Evans was going to appear in the in the scene where they were recruiting characters uh, when they were wow, doing the X-Force really? recruiting, and they were going to be like, yes, we need a leader, we need a captain, and then he flames on. So I, I, so I, heard, I heard that rumor, which I don't know if it's true, but if that had ever... I would have lost What an amazing, mind. like... And even just picturing it, what a beautiful moment. So the idea that Fantastic Four was so close to touching this in so many ways, and also the the awareness of Fox to be like, well, this is our Fantastic Fours. Like, they've had that happen, like, so many times. Any of that would have been great. I see why it didn't happen, especially with the merger advancing as quick as it did. In any level, it's really cool to see the previs. It's really cool to see that Tim Miller was playing with the whole sandbox. It's really cool to know that Fox was like, hey, Deadpool's our soft reboot of the X-Men. Let's see what it looks like with Fantastic Four because that's a good way to build a universe. They they were really yeah. close to that, and the costumes themselves are, are interesting as well. Um, Those red costumes, yeah. Like uh, I believe it was Human Torch had a red, mm-hmm. and then um, there was two of the thing. One with like a full body suit, and one with his just his shorts, his iconic shorts. They look good. I mean, they looked like an updated version from the what was it, 2014 movie? Yeah, something the, like that. Yeah. Yeah, they look like kind of updated versions of those, and they're less dark okay. and gritty. Josh Trank was yeah. not touching the characters. They were still a little like, like you could tell they were from that film, right? right? And yeah, but they were like lightened up, and they look more like their comic book. It's kind, like the end of Justice arts, League yeah. when Superman has a different flavor to him. He's still in the Zack Snyder world, but Superman felt different at the end yeah, of the exactly, beginning. Yeah. To me, that's what these look so like. It was like interesting. I mean, seeing them on the big screen would have <laughs> would have been a trip. But <laughs> we might in three years. Yeah, I feel like in the MCU phase. Five. I, I'm more interested, I think, than almost anything going on right now in the in the comic book film world. Uh, I'm more interested in what's going on with Fantastic Four, I think, than anything mm. else. Because I think there's so much you could do. Like if you know Marvel ends up acquiring uh, those the rights to those characters, there's so much you could do in the MCU with mm-hmm. with the Richards and the Fantastic Four. Um, or if you know Fox themselves end up doing something new with them. I, I'm just so curious to see what's going to happen because there's a whole world of stories to tell with those characters. The two directions yeah. Marvel seems to be going are science and cosmic. I kind of know a family that does those things. Yeah, yeah they, exactly, they exactly. specialize in it a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of their thing. Hey, Collider fans, this is John Roca. If you like this show, you are going to love The First Degree with Jack Vanek and Alexis Linkletter. The host of Lady Gang teams up with her best friend slash true crime TV producer to explore stories of the craziest crimes, cults, and conspiracies imaginable with renowned crime journalist Billy Jensen and talk to the once ordinary people who were one degree away from those stories. And who knows? You may even wind up being their next guest. Check out The First Degree every Wednesday only on Podcast One. Yeah. So are we minor mutating? Yes, we are. Uh, watch us as whatever we, we become. Mutate. <laughs> so the first minor mutation of the week is a very exciting trailer that I really loved. Oh, yeah. uh, the Iron Fist Season <laughs> 2 trailer was impressive. It set a new bar for Iron Fist. It, it needed to be good, and it was good, and I cannot wait now that I've seen this. Next up, we know uh, we have some minor updates on the Guardians of the Galaxy situation, which is, according to Variety, James Gunn is definitely still not directing that movie. That came out in something like English, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, But his script will likely be used in some capacity for Guardians 3. As they find a new director, they are likely to make changes to it, but it is still apparently in place. 
We also discovered this week that Nicolas Cage based his Spider-Man noir voice on Humphrey Bogart. It makes more sense when you dive in, but just think about Nicolas Cage going, ah, yes, Spider-Man noir, Humphrey Bogart makes me real happy. Yeah. Uh, We got some interesting comic book uh, licensing news this week. We had already known that Dark Horse was losing the Firefly license, which moved to Boom Studios, but we just learned they are losing Buffy as well. Uh, So we'll talk about that in a bit. And more surprising news, they are officially making Penny Pennyworth. Pennyworth is becoming a show. That's right. The joke in Teen Titans Go is now real. Yeah. And and I'm sorry, Robin. Robin, you do not get a movie, but Alfred does, and he will sweep away justice. It's coming to epics, and we have news on that. Uh, we have a new trailer for the Spider-Man game that we are all unreasonably excited about with a glimpse of some more Marvel locations. Oh, I can't wait. I just want to talk about that for an hour. Uh, the Russo brothers shared some more insights on Infinity War. This movie is so much to unpack that we just did a live watch along with it, and we discovered new stuff, and they're giving us more. You can rewatch that movie every week, and you should. It was a Wired Magazine sort of special uh, video you can watch. We also found out that we are getting not one but two doves. Actor Elliot Knight has been a cast to play Don Hall in the Teen Titans show. And we are getting a villain very important in the comics and very weird on The Flash. Ragdoll is officially coming to Flash, and that show's rogues gallery just grows and grows and grows, and I'm so hyped now that I understand the hype. And we are... None of y'all stopped me from putting this joke in the rundown. I love the joke. So we have reached the end of the fight of the Bumblebees. There was a lawsuit uh, between... Uh, Hasbro and Warner Brothers over the trademark to sell Bumblebee toys because Bumblebee is both a Teen Titan and a transforming robot, and obviously kids can't understand the difference between those things. How can there be two of this? What does it mean? <laughs> so amongst those, <laughs> amongst those minor mutations, as our guest, what is the one you want to talk about most? Uh, I definitely want to jump into the Iron Fist trailer, yeah. but I have to say, like, the idea that <laughs> they, that these studios think that, like, or these companies think that kids can't tell a difference between a giant yellow transforming <laughs> robot and like a small african-american girl with wings is like is mind-boggling it's to like me. lawyers are literally required to make sort of bad faith argument it's like your whole yeah. job is to go into court and argue this with a straight face i want to talk to whoever had to do that yeah exactly. and be like look you like, can't I get rule the, it out right i get it's the same name you know, so like for logo purposes, but like that's. that's me. <laughs> Did they solve it with a space? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that Here, the I'll fix it for you. No one has a hyphen. No hyphen. Bumblebee. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, but yeah, this Iron Fist trailer was, it was surprisingly dope. Like <laughs> the music choice was great. The fight scenes, which um, was what I was looking forward to the most in Iron Fist season one. Uh, Something that let me down the most was the fight scenes in our season one. Um, and they looked, I mean, obviously it'll look different in the final product, but it looks really good. Uh, performances look good. Uh, Colleen Wing, who I thought was underutilized in season one, looks great in this, and she was great in Luke Cage season two as well. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. And yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm looking forward to it. I just, I want. I want them to stop playing with us and just put him in the freaking costume. Like, <laughs> like I think last episode. I, I think they'll dare. It's supposed to be the last episode. episode. Like I think one, it'll be like Daredevil. Man. I think it'll be Daredevil season one. I think we'll get the suit at the last. I think we'll get it. So we're gonna go through a whole Iron Fist season, a whole Defender season, and then another Iron Fist season. Just twelve more hours. The, just twelve episodes. Like I, I know we saw him in the mask in the trailer, mm-hmm. but like that seems like for one ceremonial fight scene. And then for the rest, he's got that, like, face cover thing. Mm. Which still Stop. looks better. I think no, this, he looks, he's yeah. a billionaire. It's green and yellow. It definitely, his fighting has improved. Also, Finn Jones is training, yeah. training, and he feels more like Iron Fist now. Yeah. His one episode of Luke Cage was more Iron Fist than his entire season. Yeah. Like, he showed up as soon as he walked through the door. I was like, oh, Danny Rand's here. Yeah. It was the first time I felt that. He looks badass. I'm just like, I'm such a costume guy. Like, I'm like, put him in the suit. I want to see it. Weirdly, it's the one thing where it's like, listen to the Deadpool movie. Look how cool that looks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it can be done. I know that those movies are goofy, but, like, tell me those X-Men uniforms don't look great. They look yeah. great. 
They really do. Yeah, they are. Don't amazing. be afraid of color, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I love you, Netflix. I and love you, and I know that you're sneaking people into the comic book universe, but we're several years in now. Let's ramp it up. Once once we got crossbones looking like crossbones, I was like, everything's fair game. That's right, the bo- exactly. that's the Winter Soldier. Is that like that mark? For, I mean, yes, the Civil War is that mark for me, where I was like, oh, they can do this. And Batrock too. Every step that they make in those cat <laughs> movies, I'm like, oh. And now they're in a post Thanos world, which I love that concept oh, of. Yeah. It's like when a sprinter beats someone's best time. It's like two days later, someone else beats that time because yeah. you've seen the option of it. Thanos is the option of success with any weird character now. You know, <laughs> something that I thought was going to be would have been really interesting is um, coming from the end of Defenders, where mm-hmm. uh, Matt Murdock is indisposed, and you know you have that like final shot of Iron Fist on a rooftop with his yeah. like, fist glowing. Right, I definitely thought there was a chance that they might go into. Um, on one during one of the Civil War offshoots, I think it was Daredevil. Um, it was either Daredevil or Iron Fist uh, for the for the Civil War crossover. He was it was Danny Rand in the Daredevil costume yeah, to like, keep him alive. Yeah, like, taking over for Daredevil in Matt Murdock's stead, right. which I think would have been super cool to see in Iron Fist season two. Mm-hmm. Um, coming off Defenders, like I said, and just having him like being inspired by Matt and like taking up that mantle while he's you know, dead. And story-wise, it looks like they're doing that as, like, you know, spiritually, he's taking over defending Hell's Kitchen. It looks like he's the defender of that world since he's indisposed. I love that. But if he had actually donned the suit yeah. uh, and, like, oh, Matt Murdock's gone and Daredevil's gone, what a coincidence. I, yeah. It would have been cool to see him. I'm glad that the trailer leans into, like, we're going to take some advantage of the Iron Fist mythology. We're yeah. going to take yeah. advantage of his supporting cast and some maybe his some historical Iron Fists, um, some kind of corpse yeah. that we see in there. Um, I, and I think that, like, I'm I'm happy to see that. Yeah. Uh, in addition to, of course, being Team Daughters of the Dragon. And Kunlun happening. It looks like we go to Kunlun. Oh yeah. I, I really I'm sure love that's that. That's where that ceremonial fight uh, is happening. With. But I feel like we go back. I feel like in modern day we'll see. Kun no. Lun. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Yeah. When they're when it's uh what's his name Davros right? Yeah. When Davos. they're both. When they're both in the masks and fighting, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that's. So I think that's a day. flashback. Oh, really? I think that fight is him saying like, "I was the Iron Fist. I won that fight. I deserve this." And then he gets that that his his glow. Yeah. Uh, and then I think we go back in present day to Kunlun, and then we find out retroactively something that Danny did wrong. Okay. So I think we revisit Kunlun. So I think we see it twice: that ceremony fight and in our day. I think. Just the thing we should say every so often is, if you want to read the comics, check out Immortal Iron Fist by Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction and a team of wonderful artists like Dave Aha. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of the run you want to look at for sort of modernizing and broadening Iron Fist mythology. It's what we all hoped that they would look at as they made the show, and it seems like we... I'm not saying that they're specifically drawing story stuff from there, but if you want to get intrigued about Iron Fist's world, that's where I would start. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and since we have other mind mutations than just this trailer, which oh, I yeah. love this trailer, but I want to talk about Nicolas Cage basing his Spider-Man <laughs> on Humphrey Bogart, because on paper, that just sounds crazy. Well, but if you look at it, it makes... It, yeah, what when a- you look at it, it makes a lot of sense, but like when I first heard the headline, I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, right, 20s gangster. He's going back to those roots. He's adding a little sass to his voice. Now, like, like, now that I've read the interview, I love that so much that not only is Nicolas Cage like deep diving, but he probably like read some comics, watched some Humphrey Bogart, put that together like the idea of Nicolas Cage playing him that way I'm so excited about like 20s gangster Spider-Man that's so <laughs> cool and exciting something I never thought we'd see yeah. especially Nick Cage my uh outside of outside of the sequel to Infinity War uh Into the Spider-Verse is probably my most anticipated comic movie like so of the next of like through 2019 I'm so so stoked for it and honestly after hearing Nicolas Cage play Superman in Teen Titans Go to the Movies yeah I'm like so down for his Spider-Man noir. Like, I'm so down. Do you think we'll get our boy? I think we'll see Ben Riley. I... Uh, <laughs> I... I don't. I think we might see a character in a hoodie. Yeah. I don't think we'll get Ben Riley. Yeah, I think we'll we get a nod. We, yeah, we won't get, like, a voiced character like Spider-Gwen or Spider-Man noir. But if there's, like, a huge group shot at the end of, like, 42 different right. Spider-Men, then we might see him in there. I would give... All of the money to have that be voiced by Andrew Garfield. It'll never happen. Bruh. Can you imagine? Don't even talk to can me. you imagine if there's a voice and they don't even like credit it? Like it's just Andrew Garfield that as Ben so Riley, and we're just like, or like, it'd be like it'd be like Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves playing the cat in Keanu. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Like those Dreamcast moments that would be like Amazing. one day of work. He would get to reprise the role that was no fault of his own ruined. Like it was. Yeah. He's a great Spider-Man. It if just you look didn't work at Ditko's Peter Parker and next to Andrew Garfield, like I'll never get over it. That it's, it was so, and he like went to the Hall H in a Spidey suit. Like he is such a Spider-Man. He just didn't get the right team. Yeah, he he loves Spider-Man. He loves that's, him. that's the thing that's heartbreaking to me, man. Is that he like 
Spider-Man was his guy. Yeah. You know. So Ben Riley, one day I can I'll keep dreaming as much as I can. This is a little off topic, and I'm sorry, but like I heard this idea a while back, and I have loved it ever since. Of the idea of um, Tobey Maguire playing Uncle Ben in the new yes, in, in yes, MCU. it's the right age of the Marissa Tomei. I know. It's like really? I just think how old is Tobey Maguire? Uh, well, he's Marissa, in his late 40s. Yeah, Marissa Tomei's. What forty? She's like forty three. I, I think she's forty three, and I think she's yeah. in mid mid to late forties. Wow, Hollywood views my perceptions of people's ages. I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking he's yeah. like forty. I think something. so too. Yeah, he's like uh, he looked. I mean, he's the right age. You know, yeah. like they're both still relatively young looking people. Right. And so he's forty three. They're yeah. same wow. age. Yeah. Wow. I just like I just heard that idea, and I just so I think it's so perfect, and it'd be a great homage. Have you heard the rumor? <laughs> can't, say, can't say one thing. None of our business is how old Marissa Tomei is. Uh, the, the rumor that Uncle Ben was a giant movie buff, and that's why Spider-Man references those old films because yeah. they watched movies together. So the idea that Tobey Maguire as Uncle Ben is a giant like Star Wars buff, and then oh, like that's so how he cute. keeps in touch with Uncle Ben. Mm. Like that's I'm dying one day. Oh, so yeah. uh, and minor mutation that you would like to dive into before we go to pull uh, Yeah, I want to talk a little bit just for a sec about the Dark Horse thing because yeah. it's an interesting wrinkle. Uh, it's pretty normal for like licenses to move around between different companies. Uh, when TV shows and movies, you know, a ton of them have comic book adaptations. You find companies like Titan, Dynamite, uh, lots of this going on. Uh, and Dark Horse has had Buffy and Firefly for many years. We already knew they were losing Firefly. But while we all have sort of expected some fallout from this Fox-Marvel deal, it seems more possible uh, that like the Firefly one might be about the fact that the company now doing Firefly is going to be Boom. Mm-hmm. And Boom, for the last several years, has had some kind of like special first look arrangement with Fox. Hmm. So it might be that they had already planned a connection between Boom Comics and Fox in the entertainment department. We like I suspect that that was the reason Firefly moved. We don't know where Buffy is going. So the big question is is it going to Boom or is it going to Marvel? And we'll have to see. I think it's going to tie in with the show. I think it's not a coincidence that we're getting a Buffy reboot when Buffy loses its license in comics. I don't think it's a coincidence that yeah. Buffy season 12 or whatever the comics are up to is its last because now we have a new Buffy coming. So right. I think it's going to land wherever it has the best tie-in capability with the, with the show. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. wait and see. I, I don't have much to add. I, I totally agree. I think it's interesting. What properties does Dark Horse have left? Yeah. A lot of video games. Yeah. yeah. The Mask? I was going to say, like... I d- Hellboy. Yeah, I was gonna say own. it's Hellboy. I was like, got one, a lot of I kept trying Jeff to say Spawn. Yeah, no, I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like Spawn. No, it's Hellboy. Hellboy's lo- like their heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got a lot of originals. They've got Jeff Lemire's universe, um, and they have Dragon Age, Mass Effect, a bunch of the, right. the video games oh, okay. that comes out through yeah. Dark Horse. So Hellboy we next hope year. They're gonna be I know. okay. I know. But uh, uh, support Dark Horse originals is what we're saying. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of supporting comics, this poll list this week is so much goodness. First up, there is That's an incredible an book. Graphic, by the right? way. It's so perfect. I love it every week. That's so awesome. West Coast Avengers number one is one of the best teams I've seen in years. We're so excited. I'm we so both excited. We put both. this at the top of our list. <laughs> uh, Kelly Thompson is coming off of an Eisner-nominated run on Hawkeye. Oh, I promised that we would just go You'd through, go through it. First. I literally did the look, so I didn't. I promised yep. the internet I'd talk slow, and I promised Amy we'd run through everything first. Yep. Next up with the polls is Batman Kings of Fear, uh, number one, with art by Kelly Jones. Uh, following is a Dark Horse original, Beasts of Burden, Wise Dogs and Eldritch Men, number one. And then my two other picks are X-Men Red, number seven, by the incredible Tom Taylor, and Action Comics, number 1002, by Brian Michael Bendis. So, good Okay, week. now. Now, let's talk about West Coast Avengers, number one. That <laughs> roster and that creative team. It's amazing. Like, we get Spider-Gwen. You on a team book, the awesome. character that I thought we'd lost because she was too meta for this world. Gwenpool. Gwenpool. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, Gwenpool, a character that is next level meta. Like what? Yeah. When he says too meta for this world, he means literally she's from our world, knows yeah. everything about the she Marvel universe, the kind comic. of cuckoo pants. It's it's yeah. her superpower thing. is knowing what comics are, yeah. and by reading comics, I, knowing about your secrets. Gwenpool is just a hilarious character to me, and I'm really glad to see her on a team book because I, I, I have not read. Um, this book yet but i i am excited to jump in because i love team-up books mm-hmm. like those i love like they just give me jazz to see all the heroes together um and this is brand new it's coming out on wednesday this week uh yeah. and uh you can go get it kelly thompson has been writing this uh 
the main character, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, uh, for this team. Love she wrote her for Kate a year Bishop. and a half. Uh, and can, can we just say that book was that and Wasp are the two like least appreciated mainstream books on the shelves. Like Kate Bishop's Hawkeye was set in Santa Monica. It had an actual West Coast vibe, like the Venice Santa Monica vibe. And she spoke like an actual teenager, but didn't feel yeah. dumb. That book was so good. And then Wasp was about gathering a group of female scientists to form the super. Oh, I'm so bad. Those yeah. books are and canceled. Bishop Wasp was... is back this fall, and uh, Kate Bishop has a team now. So yeah. life goes on. Bishop was. <laughs> great in matt fractions hawkeye as well yes i loved her in that um and king of fear or kings of fear batman kings of fear i'm really interested in we were talking about the art mm-hmm. earlier um very long halloween-esque uh so i'm i'm excited to jump into that and i'm actually i typically read in trade so um i'll probably wait for bendis's run on action comics to to be collected before mm-hmm. i read it but i'm i'm excited to jump in i mean i've been reading online people have um People are saying pretty good things about it, so I, I'm excited to read that as well. And I, I do love to throw weird indies at y'all. So you got Beasts of Burden is one of the strangest and most interesting concepts. It is a bunch of a neighborhood animals who deal with supernatural threats, which sounds cool. really fun and kid-friendly. It does get kind of dark. Supernatural threats uh, involve danger. Okay. Um, you know, so your mileage may vary on that one. But it is one of those, like, I'm really surprised that we don't have a ton of, like, se- ten seasons of animated series about yeah. Beasts of Burden. Like, like, neighborhood cats and dogs dealing with supernatural threats in their neighborhood. I'll definitely want to pick that one up. Because I feel like a, a personal thing that I am, like, trying to work on is that I want to read more non-cape stuff mm-hmm. you know like non-superhero stuff so you know i've read like saga and um nice. and some some of the heavy hitters but i want to get more into more indie non-superhero material because there's so much good stuff in comic books yeah. if you ever read sex criminals sex criminals is yeah. a weird non-capey book that's great it's uh, an amazing book with a weird title it's both of those things read it i have the and first volume of paper girls as well that i haven't read yeah. oh yeah is it good uh, and then uh, but the final poll that we haven't talked about yet is X-Men Red number seven. It is entering its second arc because usually it's about six. Uh, X-Men Red is my favorite X-Men team book in a very long time. Uh, X-Men Blue and Gold started great. Your mileage may vary. Uh, but X-Men Red is Tom Taylor, who is writing the brilliant all-new Wolverine, who handled X-23 with such... Which is unfortunately Which yeah. is unfortunately mm-hmm. gone. Although and the new Wasp has is a it, book. It, 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 she's, she's on her thing. And she's in X-Men Red, so she gets her time <laughs> to shine. But all-new Wolverine was so good, and this book brings those main characters from the all-new Wolverine book into a team, and it gives us a Jean Grey that actually feels like Jean Grey for the first time in maybe 15, 20 years. It feels like a Claremont-era Jean Grey. She's smart. She's a leader. She's capable. She's not like, ah, oh, what's happening? happening and the whole book feels like a team they work together it's important that they know what team dynamics are and the art's great x-men red feels like that x-men prime that we haven't had in a while so if you're not reading an x-men book x-men red is a great place to start yo i must just have a thing for clones because i love ben <laughs> Riley and i love x-23 they're like two of my favorite comic book characters i love superboy so i have the same clone so yeah. oh yeah and superboy Super Super yeah. is amazing yeah. why isn't there has there been a ben laura story yet no ben Riley laura kenny like Oh, I'd love that. What's it like to not be the original? Yeah. That would be... Please make that happen. Put them together. A duplicate book. They're just dealing with like identity crisis to a level. Jamie Drex comes in to be like, so, you're not the only one. (laughs) That second episode of The Flash that was like so multiple... Oh, yeah. I need a Flash watch along show. (laughs) Yo. It's so... It's really good. I'm so excited. You should just host like a a Flash after talk show. A a flashback? Flashback. Oh, my. Flashback. Yeah. (laughs) Can't be gone. It was too good. That's that's the mic drop. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> uh, and then we have some Twitter questions while we, we do. let's dive into some. So first of all, we have Justin Gilmore at jgilyoda900 who asks, with Batwoman now in the Arrowverse, what characters would you like to appear in her show? I want some weird, weird, weird Bat villains. I want to see Clayface. I want to see oh. uh, some, some, uh, the puppet, uh, what's his name? Ventriloquist. Uh, the ventriloquist, yeah. Does, he have a, does the puppet have a name? That's what I'm stuck on. Anyway, the, no, those no, kind no. of characters. I want to see, like, henchmen. I want to see characters that are... He does have a name, right? Kill me now. My brain got stuck on it. Now I can't leave it. I was it. about to say Scarface. I'm like, that's definitely... Is, is it, it Scarface? Sorry, internet. We just do this for yeah. a living. But yeah. I want to see, like, the henchman-level characters. I want to see characters that are, like, the organized crime world but have that supernatural bent. I've always loved that Clayface has, like other people he works with and he's just like this dripping thing of clay like I want to see him sitting at a desk I want to see like a ventriloquist be taken seriously I want I want those kind of characters because like the Thanos thing we've evolved to the point that even the TV shows can have these weird outlandish characters grounded and gritty that's so what I want I will say that I I have read a bit of material from um, the Batwoman 
series. Yeah. Excuse me, freaking out. Um, it's fine. It's I, fine. I don't know how much of it is final, and I probably can't talk about. It. I I didn't sign an NDA or anything, so I'm probably cool. But just just in case, I don't want to harm any career opportunities I might have. So I don't want to talk about it on air. But I think fans are going to be really surprised and really excited, hopefully, about what they see. Um, as for characters that I want to see show up, like. I really it might get kind of confusing with the names, but I really want to see Cassandra Kane yeah. in, in live action. Like that would be like her Batgirl. If they made Barbara Gordon Oracle and Cassandra Kane Batgirl with Batwoman, like that I'd be I'd be so down for if that. If they just I'd fully made an Oracle in the TV shows, like then maybe they could finally solve for me the like I will have Barbara Gordon Batgirl in the movies, but yeah. we can have Oracle like I, I would be very into that. Yeah. I don't know if that's in the offing though, because we've got Sirens, no, what's it called? Um, oh, in, uh, it's Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey? The, oh. <laughs> the oh, Sirens movie yeah. is called Birds of Prey, which I'm going to get used to. Uh, and uh, so they might take Cass off the table because she's rumored for Birds of Prey. Interesting. Oh, yeah, I did, I did hear that rumor. Yeah, I totally hear that. And it, it'll probably never happen anyway because there's been such a huge push since the new 52 for Barbara Gordon out of the wheelchair and, and as mm-hmm. Batgirl. So you only they'll put her in that in canon in a DC show. That's tricky if they're trying to get her out of that. Yeah. And we were all right, by the way. Ventriloquist was the name that I didn't trust myself on, and the puppet is Scarface. But oh, since wow. I was thinking of both simultaneously, I was like, this doesn't make sense. It can't be yeah, both. I was thinking of Scarface the film, and I was like, that can't be it. That's already a name. <laughs> <laughs> and who do you want to see? Um, I want to see the supporting cast from the different versions of her comics. I want to make sure her dad's in there. Yeah. Uh, I want to have... I, like it's kind of spoilers if I say who her first villain from Elegy was, but uh, I want that person to show up. Uh, the story arc Batman Woman Elegy, which somebody else asked us for a what to read pick, and I'm gonna just keep hammering that home. Read Batwoman Elegy, her first story arc, Greg Rucka, J.H. Williams, uh, but Maggie Sawyer, Renee Montoya, anybody oh, coming by? Renee like, Montoya would be so cool. She's also rumored for Birds of Prey, but oh. you know there can be more than one. <laughs> that is a full docket. That I know. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I, I just really want to see some interplay with. The Bat Family. That's mm-hmm. something I really like about um, Kate Kane in general is her, like, kind of being the outsider in the Bat Family. Yeah. Right? Like, she's part of it, but, like, kind of ancillary or tertiary to it. Um, and so I'd love to see her connecting with a Robin of some kind. Mm. Um, maybe a second or third Robin, you know, Jason Todd or Tim Drake. Uh, like I said, Kat, or Cassandra Kane as Batgirl. Really... Anybody. I just, I want to see. Stuff there. Yeah, I love, I just love the Bat family dynamic, and I would love to see that. And with. since they announced Black Mask, we talked about a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, I picked up War Games on your suggestion. So I'll, <laughs> I will be versed in my, in that corner of the universe. I'm trying to catch up because there's so much good Bat stuff, oh, and I'm trying so to like learn drowned. it as it yeah. develops. So I'm trying to learn. So I picked up all three volumes of War Games so I can learn. Uh, but in the other, in the other world of Twitter questions, we also have, I think, a very interesting question uh, from Joe Dalton at Joe's Rap Reviews. Uh, hey guys, Snyder's run on Batman is what got me back into reading comics. I think the Court of Owls are some of the most interesting villains Batman has. Do you think we'll ever see them on the big screen? Hashtag Collider Heroes. Hashtag Sweaty Forever. I... 100%. That's yeah. happening. Yeah. It's gotta, well, right? Well, correct me if I'm wrong. The Court of Owls made an appearance in Gotham, right? I haven't watched the show, but I have seen like a screenshot of My understanding the mask. is yeah. uh, that they've been referenced there, but I'm not up on Gotham. So I think that what they're going to do is if they have an introduction character, they should introduce like a plant a seed for Court of Owls and then loop to a bigger villain. And then the next movie yeah. have it. So that way it's that long form Gotham thing. I think that's a really interesting like legacy character, legacy villain. And I think Tom King, I mean, a Snyder's run on this is, is revered right now. It and is, it's good yeah. to use those books that are loved so much. Yeah. Court of Owls is a, is a really great storyline uh, for Batman just because it, pushes him and challenges him and i don't know if we'll ever see him on like the silver screen in films mm-hmm. uh, at least not soon you know that would I, yeah a, that might take longer but yeah, like there are definitely more iconic or um characters with a longer history that i think they're trying to get right on the on the big screen first. we've heard that rumor of ben affleck flanking the film and doing a flashback that would be a way to do that having yeah. have him tell the story of something and have him as batman in the corners of the film having a new batman introduced in the middle this is a great story to tell that story but i agree with you i think what they should do is just plant seeds mm-hmm. you know like have bruce wayne in a batman film go to some kind of dinner at a rich person's house and have a mask on a dis- in a display case. Because yeah. it fits like, so neatly into the character of Gotham. So I think yeah. that does make it more more likely, even though I immediately agreed big screen, uh, I was thinking like serialized and on TV, they make perfect sense. The more time you get to spend with the city, the more naturally they emerge yeah. from it. But uh, yeah, 
Um, is it time for the sweaty question the of the week? The sweaty question of the week, absolutely. <laughs> I'm already Speed so sweaty. Question. Such sweaty. Uh, Nolan Dean asks, is there any one line of dialogue from a comic that resonated with you and stuck with you your whole life? If so, what is it and what does it mean to you? I think the most cliche line of all, and you're going to hate me for it, but with great power comes great <laughs> responsibility. Tre- we, Trevor and I were like racking our brains of like something I could say that wasn't that because there's so many, but that's the one and I'm speeding through. So that is the one that has affected me since I was four. Like since I was aware of power and responsibility, that yeah. is like, I live my life by that credo. There's a lot of great lines like Wonder Woman's like extend before you throw an arm, like extend a hand like that, that idea of like talking before violence. I love, but power and responsibility is like what I live by. So I have to say it. Yeah, that's such a good one. I mean, it's hard to get away from. I think I'm also going to be talking pretty quickly. Um, uh, I feel like both of mine are kind of like cliche, kind of service level, but they're they're just so good. Uh, The first one that came to mind for me was um, uh, Captain America's monologue, I think, in the Spider-Man offshoot of Civil War. In the Straczynski-written amazing. Yeah, yeah, of the um, no-you-move speech. Yeah. Uh, I've heard a lot of people criticize that speech for being, like, too dogmatic, but, like, if you put any quote into a different context it can mean something else so i that quote i just always think about and um it's it's very inspiring to me and then another one the other one for me was uh from all-star superman uh when he saves the jumper and he just all he says is that um your doctor really was running late again and then he says uh you're stronger than you think you are trust me Mm -hmm. like i got chills just saying it right now i i love Ulster Superman's a great book, and that line, that page just always gets me every time I read it. I have it saved on my phone so I can look at it. It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, I'm going to pull out a wreck from a wildly out of there, an autobiographical book called Fun Home that I really love, which is a story of tragedy and family and uh, knowing yourself, and it's a really wonderful story. But there's a, it's, there's a, a point in this character's relationship with a family member where she, uh, there's a line that has stuck with me forever. There's a moment uh, in every game where you fly. Uh, and uh, I, we will come back to that at another time because we don't have... Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but we, and we have more questions we'll cover next week. Uh, I will not be here next week. I'll be in Ireland. Irish fans, if you're there, find me in that island. Uh, but Trevor, where can they find you on the internet, man? Uh, you guys can find me at Trevor underscore Steins on Twitter and Instagram. Talk to me about comics, please. Yeah. And until next week, stay, stay sweaty. sweaty. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic, and disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. Please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org.